our family had a camper. On a big, on the bed of a big truck, there was this camper thing with a, with a part that hang, hung over the hood, not the hood, but the cab of the truck where the kids could get in and look out the window as you're going down the freeway. It wasn't as safe as things are these days, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, we, our, our family, my parents were very generous with their things. So there was a time when the pastor wanted to borrow the camper and he took it on a, a long trip. And when he came back, you know, he said, hey, how was your trip? He said, well, it was great. There was one almost problem though. Well, what was that? He had taken a shortcut over a mountain pass. Have you ever been on one of these shortcuts? that aren't really as short as you thought they were. In fact, as they were about halfway uh, through, he, he recognized that the gas tank is like way almost on empty. And he started just really having a lot of anxiety. Are we going to make it to the next gas station? How many of you have been there before? And of course, this was long before there were anything like cell phones, and he was just struggling to make it. And as he's reporting the story to my parents, he said, but we made it, you know, praise God, thank you, we had a great time. And my dad said, did you forget about the lever I showed you? Lever? What lever? The one under the driver's seat that switches to the auxiliary fuel tank? You had 20 more gallons left that you didn't know about. And of course, he did one of these sorts of things. Uh, sometimes we have far more resources available to us than what we realize. Today, I want to talk to you about the peace that God has for you, right where you are right now. And I'm going to speak to all of us as if we're all exactly in the same place. And of course, we're not, but we've all experienced this in different ways and in different kinds of situations. We're like my boyhood pastor driving on a path with a lot of anxiety. Right underneath where you are is the answer to the peace you're looking for. If we just realized it's right there where we are, then how much would that change our attitudes, our joy, the peace that we experience. I think the point is something like this. We are not where we used to be. We are not yet where we are going to be. But right here where we stand, God wants us to experience peace. Did you get that? We are not where we used to be. And we are not yet where we are going to be. But right where we stand, God has peace for us. Now, um, 
We've all received Christmas cards in the mail this year, and they all have wonderful sayings on, sayings on them. This one just has one word, peace, written in gold. Now it's time for us to put the Christmas cards away. I wonder if the peace will still be there. Actually, we don't throw our cards away. We usually save them. And then as the year goes by, we pull them out one by one and remember who sent them to us. I hope that it's not just the cards that remain, but it's the sentiments that are there. We hear about peace and goodwill to men. We hear about uh, love and joy. But are we experiencing that? So long after the Christmas cards are gone, where's the peace? For example, we might be in a situation geographically. I have some friends who've they've sold their house that they've been in, but their new house isn't ready yet. They're not where they were. They're not yet where they're going to be. But how are you right now? That's the question. Do you have peace with this? Well, they happen to be in a very good situation in the, be in the between. Maybe you've experienced this financially. Maybe there's been some indebtedness that's piled up. And finally, you've had some breakthroughs. Finally, you got that raise. Finally, uh, the, uh, most of those bills are paid off. You don't, you don't have the savings account built up yet. <laughs> but you're not where you used to be. You're not yet where you're going to be. But you can have peace right where you are. Perhaps relationally. Where are you? Do you have peace? One of my favorite movies is um, You've Got Mail. And there's that period in the movie where Meg Ryan is done with the old guy because he really wasn't right for her. She's not quite ready for the new guy. She's in that awkward spot. Not where you were. Not yet where you're going to be. But actually, she came to peace. And because of that, you know, she fell in love with Tom Hanks. And you know the story. How about chronologically? Well, none of us are where we used to be. Actually, that's starting to look better all the time. I remember as a kid, I liked to play catcher on the baseball team. You get down in the catcher stand. And how many times are you squatting and standing and throwing and catching? And these days, when my grandson wants to pitch some to me, I get on my knees <laughs> because it's hard to get back up again. So I have to admit, I'm not where I used to be. And I'm not yet there either. It's hard to have peace right here. But what I'm really talking about today, and where are we as a church? Where are you as a believer? Let's talk theologically. 
Because what the Bible says is this. We are not where we used to be. And we're not yet where we're going to be. We're kind of stuck in this middle zone. But it's right here in this middle zone where God wants us to have peace. Peace in an anxious world. That's the gift that God has for us. Now, um, I'd like for you to get out your outline. And you'll notice it's kind of weird looking. <clears throat> But sometimes when I'm studying the scripture and as I've been going over this particular passage we're going to turn to in a moment, it's not so much an outline of, of, of logic and words. It's, I think, sometimes more graphically. In fact, as I've sat down with this passage, which is Romans chapter 5, and we want you to get out your Bible. In fact, why don't you get out the church Bible this time? Because of two reasons. I can tell you right where the passage is. It's on page 1750. But also, I would like for us to read it together. And that way, we're all reading the same translation. Even if you have NIV, you might have the older NIV. And often, there's a word or two that are different. And this is just so good, especially as we talk about having peace right now where we stand. But again, as I've been looking forward to this message today and how I might illustrate it, I think almost more graphically than logically. This is not a logical outline. It's just how I picture the process. The process of where we used to be, where we're not yet, and where we stand right now. Romans chapter 5 says that where we stand right now, God has something for you. And it's something that doesn't come on a Christmas card. It comes when we understand how these principles work. The peace that passes understanding. Jesus said, not like the world do I give you peace. My peace I give to you. And if that peace comes from Jesus, then whatever happens in the world can't take it away. And that's where we are right here in Romans chapter 5. Are you with me? Page 1750. A great, uh, of course... The book of Romans is just full of great theology, but chapter 5 is where he starts zeroing in on the wonder of the salvation that God has provided for us. In fact, the very first word in chapter 5 is the word therefore, and you know the old saying, when you see therefore, you should find out what it's there for, because it points back to something. It's taking what has been previously said and then taking that further. So if we back up just one verse earlier than chapter 5, in other words, chapter 4, verse 25, talks about Jesus. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification 
Therefore, now I want you to read these first five verses with me. And again, uh, we're going to just, just kind of take it apart, put it back together. And if you think graphically like I do, then this outline will be sort of like a uh, infographic, <laughs> helping to put together what we've all experienced, but what God desperately wants for us. So here we go, out loud, all reading together, not at a fast pace, but moving right along, beginning with the first word of chapter 5, verse 1. Ready, set, read. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now may God take his word and just deeply place it into your heart. Because wherever you've been... And where he's taking you means that right now you're standing in a very important place. And so get out your outline and let's see if we can make some sense of this. <clears throat> Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. You know, those three words right there say it all. That's what I'm trying to say today. We have peace peace. And that's something you shouldn't forget. Just the other day, we had lost something that was going to cause us a lot of trouble, and we thought maybe we knew where it was. So it's a long story, but I just remember thinking, oh, this is a good example of, can I do this? Because I don't know where this thing is, but God does. And whatever the outcome is, you know what? It's in his hands. Can you have peace with that? I don't know if it's going to go badly or go well. I just know that right now this is where I am. And can you say those three words? We have peace. Now, but let's see if we can outline this a little more carefully. Um, in fact, maybe I should jump into verse 6. You see... At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's where we were. When, where, that is where we used to be. Back there on, uh, uh, I, I see these as being like pillars or stepping stones, platforms, where we used to be. 
Theologically, if we could all put us in one group, and I realize we're more spread out than that, but what the Bible is saying, as believers, where we used to be was in a very different situation. In fact, here in verse 6, Paul describes that as being powerless. We couldn't change. We couldn't change the problem we had because we're sinful and we can't be reconciled to a holy God in our own sinfulness. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's where we used to be. Powerless. Ungodly. And really without hope in the world. But you remember, now going to chapter 4, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So that's not where we are now. Since we have been, verse 1, justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So here we are where we stand now. Let's take this center position, this platform, this cylinder, and call that, this is where we stand now. And there's lots to say about this. First of all, Paul says, we've been justified. So we can put a label on this. We've been justified. In other words, our sins have been forgiven. The, the debt is gone. The punishment has been paid for. And how did we get here? Uh, did, did, we, did we jump from one place to the next? So graphically, I like putting a tunnel or a, a, uh, like a bridge. And it's the faith bridge. It's through faith. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So where we stand now is in grace. That's what it means to be justified. Some people say, we've been saved by faith. Well, it's probably more accurate. In fact, the verse says, you have been saved by grace through faith. That's how we got here. It's God's grace that's done it for us. But at some point, you got to get down on your knees and crawl through that tunnel. Crawl through that pipeline. Take the steps of faith to put you standing in being justified in Christ. But here's the point. We're not done here. This is not the end location. We're no longer there. But our hope is out there. So let's draw a little stick figure on top of the second column. But make sure you have uh, the stick figure looking through a telescope off into the distance. because. That's our hope off into the future. 
So draw the best stick figure you can. But that's where we stand right now. And we stand, and, and we have some things available, but it's not our final destination. We're looking off into the distance. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope. See, what we're really excited about is what we're still hoping for. So mark that third position, that next platform, as the place where our hope is anchored, where our telescope is focused on. And our hope, verse 2 says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So our hope is in the glory that's yet to come. And that's partly why you can't see the entire third cylinder because it's open-ended. In fact, this is eternity off in the distance. This is when we're glorified, when we've experienced that redemption of our bodies, not just the forgiveness of our sins, but the world has been changed. There's a new heaven and a new earth, and this is the hope that we have. Now, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? We look forward to that, and we think that changes everything, or does it? Because where we stand right now, yes, we have peace with God because we've gained access into this grace in which we now stand. But notice Paul says, not only so, verse 3, but we also glory in our what? Sufferings. So, Let's add that to this place where we stand. Yes, we have peace, but there's a lot of other things going on. In fact, that's why we need peace. But Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And we're not going to be disappointed. See, that's why, even though we're so glad we're not there, even though we're not yet where we want to be, but right now where we stand, we have peace. And you can think about this geographically. You're away from one house, but not into the next one. Do you have peace where you are? You can think of this financially. Well, you don't have the debt. Maybe you don't have the savings account. But do you have peace that God is with you? You can think of it relationally or chronologically. But can I give you an example personally? This is a story I haven't told yet publicly. And it's about my own situation. I'm not where I used to be in Bible college, in seminary. I'm not the youth pastor or the associate pastor I used to be. 
And I'm not yet the retired pastor that I'm going to be. But what does that mean right now? In fact, people have been asking me. Some people assume because of the way some people look forward to the retirement. Oh, you must be really excited. And some days I am. <laughs> in fact, it wasn't too long ago, I got a 2 o'clock in the morning phone call. The alarm went off at the church building. Well, yeah, it does it all the time. Something moves somewhere. But once at 2 o'clock, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm not going to miss these phone calls. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to miss them. But there's a lot I will miss. And so sometimes it feels wonderful. Sometimes it feels awful. Quite frankly, it does. Sometimes it feels awful. And sometimes it happens in the same day. Because, you know, a lot of people, and pastors, I think, are in this category, they love what they do. And I love with whom I work the staff and the congregation. So there's parts of this that I'm not really looking forward to, but the question is, how do you know when it's the right time to retire? That's a good question. I think some pastors retire too soon. Or maybe not retire, but move on. I think the average is something like seven years. That's even less in certain circumstances. In fact, when we moved here in 1977, I was guessing that, I don't know, I hope we're here five or 10 years, but we kind of believe that probably our kids are going to grow up in different schools. And yet, hasn't God been good? All three of our kids went to the same preschool and elementary school, and middle school, graduated from the same high school with some of the same kids they went to preschool with. Now that is unusual. But let me finish my story. How do you know it's the right time? Because some pastors leave too soon. But it's also possible to stay too long. But it was uh, several years ago Several years ago, we were doing some advanced planning, visionary planning, and uh, I was looking at the calendar. In fact, uh, I had an old envelope there, and I started graphing out, marking down the dates. Now, when is going to be the church's 50th anniversary? In fact, and this was years ago now, uh, that's when I realized, you know, the Jubilee year that the Bible talks about doesn't begin with the 50th birthday. It begins with the 49th birthday because then you are in the 50th year. We've talked about this quite a bit. But that's when I also realized, you know, my 40th anniversary at the church here, not my wedding anniversary, but my 40th year at the church here, that, that, that anniversary date will coincide almost perfectly with the beginning of the Jubilee year. Now, that was still several years away when I was making out this chart. And I remember distinctly, you know, I've, I've never had God speak words to me, except through his word, of course, his written word. But there have been a few times when I've just said, oh my, that is the voice of God. It's like an inner voice. I think probably you felt that sometimes, where it's just it's so clear. 
So I had, I had this back of this envelope where I'd worked out the, all of the dates, where the, where the church would be at the time when the 50th anniversary and the 49th anniversary and how it coincided. And it just, I, at that time, I had been at the church 35 years. And I thought, I wonder if I'll be here for 40 years to see the beginning of the Jubilee. And then I just felt God saying, would you be willing to stay that long? And I was thinking, well, that would be a privilege. I mean, I don't deserve that. But if you would let me, and then I felt, it just happened like that. And I remember exactly where I was, driving from Penasquitos back this way, going over the bridge at uh, Carmel Mountain Road, and just like, <gasps> I felt like God saying, okay, I'll let you be there 40 years. That was just overwhelming. And I thought, well, that means I better get some things done. So it was about a week later, as I was still thinking about it, I hadn't told anybody really. And I thought, you know, I need to mark the time. And someone had told me, uh, uh, a friend had told me that when they got near their retirement, they set out a jar and put some marbles in it to count off the time. So I thought, I think this would be a good exercise for me. I'm going to go to Michael's and get some kind of jar and not marbles, that would be like the other person. I'm gonna get little rocks and put in the jar. So I went to Michael's, found a jar, I thought it'd be about the right size, and I looked for the rocks, so here's this, you know they have their decorative rocks, okay. So I pick up this first bag, and they were much too big to get the right number in there. And in fact, I had calculated the number of months that it would be between that time and when my, I would hit my 40th year and the church would be in the 50th year. And it also occurred to me, and I said, this is a prayer. You know, God, it would be really cool if I happened to pick up a bag of rocks that was the exact right number. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, God does that kind of thing sometimes. So obviously this bag in Michael's wasn't the right one. I picked, so I moved over to the section where there were smaller, nice smooth stones. And I picked that one up and I think, mm, I don't think this is the one. It looks like about, you know, I'm not sure how many rocks are in this bag. I know the number I'm looking for. I mean, because I, I counted the months. It was on that envelope, 43 months. And um, so, I said, no, I'm gonna take this bag. So I took that bag home, set the jar on the floor, dumped out the bag of rocks. I was all alone, no one's in the house. There were some broken rocks, they didn't count. So I got rid of them. So here's this pile of rocks, I began to count them. And I thought, this is gonna be close. And so as I approached the 40th and 42nd, 43 months, that's 43 months away, I remember the number exactly. So I realized, um, it's not going to be the right number. But that's okay, God, because uh, you've already spoken to me. You said that you're going to let me stay here for 40 years. And so um, I took the extra rocks, there's a handful, took the extra rocks, put them back in that bag and stuck them in a drawer. And I set aside that jar to be a reminder to me that 
I have 43 months left. Let's get stuff done. You know, count, count the days. And uh, then, so I was vacuuming and just really feeling a heart full of love and appreciation for God who would be so gracious and generous that he would let a guy like me stay and, uh, and be blessed by people like you for so long. And I'm vacuuming and thinking, yeah, I still have, it's about four and a half years until I get to that date and uh, 43 months and, well, wait a minute. It can't be 43 months if it's a little more than four years away. How can it be about four and a half years away? And I only counted out 43 rocks. So I went to that envelope and I looked at it. Oh, I skipped a year. It's 52. It, it, I needed 12 more. It had to be 55 rocks. <gasps> I went back to the, pulled out the drawer, got out the rocks, set them out. One, two, three, four, five, six. Exactly 50 five rocks in this jar. <laughs> that was the second confirmation that gave me the peace to say, even though this is going to be hard for me and hard for everyone, it's the peace we have because of what God is saying. Look, as a church, we're no longer there. And someday we're going to be there. But right now we're in this middle zone. And in this zone, God gives peace. I hope you're standing there, whatever situation you're in. In your life, in your career, in your family, in relationships. Not there. Not yet there. But we can have peace where we stand here. Now, I hope in your salvation, you've got down on your knees and crawled through that tunnel of faith. So you're no longer God, uh, ungodly and powerless. You need to have the salvation that Jesus gives. That's more important than anything. And the scripture goes on to say what we're going to celebrate now. If you've done that, then we can say, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, verse 7. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Are you standing in that grace? If you are, we have what? Peace. Heavenly Father, thank you for the journey you've put us on. Give us the grace, not just the grace that cleanses us from sin, but gives us the power to move ahead in the direction you're calling us as a church, as an individual, as a believer. And Lord, we'll never forget where we were and what you did to get us here. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death and resurrection. We celebrate that now as we share in communion with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
this is going to be an exciting year. May God bless you and keep you and turn his face upon you and shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.